Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to beantownathletics.com right now. That's beantownathletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is parade day in Denver as the Broncos celebrate and continue to celebrate their Super Bowl championship from the other night. Also, I should mention, it is National Pizza Day. So you got that going for you as well if you don't want to celebrate the Denver Broncos championship, which is what I am not going to do. I am not going to celebrate the Denver Broncos Super Bowl championship, but you watch the parade, you acknowledge it, and at least back here in New England, we wish this parade was down Boylston Street today, but the Patriots, they weren't even in Super Bowl 50. They didn't even get a chance to win the Super Bowl championship. And uh, Denver, they celebrate well-deserved based on the way their defense played. I still don't think that... I still don't think Von Miller is getting enough credit for literally ripping the Lombardi trophy out of Cam Newton's hands. And I I say that, yes, Von Miller got the Super Bowl MVP. He was named Super Bowl MVP. But after he's named Super Bowl MVP, most of the talk that I've seen, that I saw yesterday, because when the Super Bowl's over, we all react to it. I did it on yesterday's podcast. I opened the show reacting to the game itself to the biggest plays of the game, and Von Miller was the biggest difference maker. And when you look back at Von Miller's entire postseason, you know, the game against Pittsburgh, the game against the Patriots, the game against uh, the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl, I mean, the Denver Broncos, that was one of the best defensive performances I have ever seen. And when you want to talk about one guy specifically, you know, AFC Championship, and again in the Super Bowl, Von Miller was a man amongst boys. I mean, he just made big play after big play. And look, he ripped the ball out of Tom Brady's hands with that interception. And he was getting to Tom Brady all day. And and something that I think at least I thought Carolina would be able to do a little bit better than the Patriots offensive line did was prevent Von Miller from getting to the quarterback, but that just goes to show you how good Von Miller is. He couldn't be stopped, and not only could he not be stopped when it comes to getting to the quarterback, he once again ripped the ball out of the hands of the QB, and he did it twice in this game. The first one was huge. It gave the Broncos a 10-0 lead early to the point where the Denver Broncos were doing exactly what Carolina's been doing to teams, which is going up 10, you know, double-digit points, two-score games early on, five, six minutes into the game. So, and I think it was it was a little longer than that, but it was still was the first quarter when Von Miller, you know, came in, forced a fumble, ripped the ball out of Cam Newton's hands, the Broncos score a defensive touchdown, and all of a sudden, Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco, the sun is still out, you haven't even finished your first beer, and... Well, depending on what time you start your Super Bowl party. I shouldn't say that about the party that uh, was happening at my house. There were, it was more than one beer drank before uh, kickoff. So uh, that, that party, 
it started a whole lot earlier than the 6.30 kickoff. But you know what I'm saying. The sun was still out. It felt like the game had just begun because it did just begin. And yet the Broncos were already up 10-0. And you look at Von Miller's game. You look at his playoffs. Sure, he got named Super Bowl MVP. But now that we're reacting to it all, I just, look, I've been talking about Von Miller. But then once I'm done giving him my reaction, I record my podcast. I send it out there. Make sure you go listen to yesterday's show. Uh, you know, you want to vibe as to what everybody else is talking about. Not just here in New England, but but nationally. And and really, mostly, I just care about the national reaction. Um, and, and, you know, what I, what I heard and saw yesterday was mention of the... They were mentioning Von Miller and the Broncos defense. But most of the talk was a lot of yelling and screaming about Cam Newton. And not even Cam Newton's performance, because... That's really what you should be mad at. If you're a Carolina Panther fan, you should be upset with his performance. He was terrible. Cam Newton was awful. He was named MVP the night before. We had given him the MVP in week 10. Most, most normal people who watch the National Football League this year. But Cam Newton on the biggest stage in the biggest game with the most on the line. He had one of the worst games he's probably ever had in his career. Yes, in his career. He was awful. The body language on the field showed that. Um, I think he was rattled. I think he wasn't used to that this season. This was a season in which Carolina, you know, outside of that that one Atlanta loss late in the season, you know, everything had gone right for them. Everything. And even when there were games in which they would go up big and a team came back on them like that Giants game, Carolina was able to find a way to win. But they, I can't recall the last time they were in a situation like this against the Broncos on Sunday in the Super Bowl in which they were forced to come back from this type of deficit that early on. It's usually, again, the other way around with the Carolina Panthers this season. So on the field, it was one of the worst games Cam Newton, I think, has probably had in his career, and it was on the biggest stage, and they had such a great season. Again, he was regular season MVP. Uh, every They were the favorites in this game. There were not many people picking the Broncos to win. And I think because of that, Carolina felt very confident going into this game, as they should have. And uh, they shit their pants. That's what happened. Uh, but but I, I don't think... I, I don't think they just... It wasn't just that they had an awful game. It was also... That you, again, you have to praise Denver's defense for forcing them into an awful game at the same time. Right? But but there's no denying the fact that, that Carolina, you know, they they weren't used to what happened. They were not used. This Carolina team this season was not used to what was going on on that field in San Francisco on Sunday. And they didn't know how to handle it. And and you could tell. And not just during the game, but but as the talk continued yesterday afternoon, most of the talk about Super Bowl 50 was not really about Von Miller and Denver's defense, as it should have been was not even really about Cam Newton, his performance on the field, and the fumble that he didn't go after. Yeah, he took some criticism for that. But most of the criticism came with his body language post-game in the press conference. It was about the press conference, right? That's what, that's what it was about. And, you know, it's laugh- it really it's laughable to me. I mean, I, I sort of snapped on yesterday's podcast because I, I played you the Chris Harris audio. And I still, I still think, as people continue to talk about this Cam Newton post-game press conference to this day, to this moment, this afternoon on Tuesday, they're still talking about it, which is insane. 
that it's still even a thing. Um, but these most of these people, I think, that do talk about it, I still don't think they've heard the Chris Harris audio or have, have really even tried to factor that into their argument. I really don't. And I hope they go back and listen to yesterday's podcast and, and listen to what that sound like. And I don't even think that the audio that I played for you does it justice. I think you need to watch it. This video of it. Yeah, he clearly looks over. He's like, what is, what is that? Why can I hear Chris Harris talking about how he shut me down in this game? And where is he? He's right next to me? Like, what the fuck is going on here? I, it, obviously, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about the 13 questions that have been asked in the last two and a half minutes. Um, that, that I've answered, by the way. You might not like the answer, but I answered them. Might not like my body language, but, I mean, it is, I've lost the Super Bowl. I'm not happy right now. It just happened. I, it literally just happened. Um, people still talking about that. People, it's laugh, it is laughable to me that this is still a major issue. Now, now look, I told you yesterday, I, it, it didn't look good. It doesn't look good. What, what Cam Newton did in that press conference, leaving early. You know, his body language. Doesn't look good. Didn't look good at all. I never, I never, I don't disagree when, that, when I say that it, when people say it didn't look good. Didn't look good. I agree with you. It looked bad. But I think we need to, and just, you know, we're, I'm admitting that it looked bad, but I, I, I thought we'd move on after that. Like, I thought that would be it. It, it hasn't been it. People are still talking about it. I still worked up about it to this day. Two days later. Now, I told you in yesterday's podcast, Cam Newton the funny thing about uh, people being so worked up that, that you know, he, he didn't give the press conference that they wanted to see, and, and he didn't stay for the whole thing, and he left early, and he walked off. Um, I told you yesterday that Cam Newton was going to speak again to the media in the next couple days. Like, you have getaway day today in Charlotte. Like, the Denver's having their parade today. And in Charlotte, in Carolina, you know what's happening? The Panthers have getaway day, and they're not happy. And they're talking. And Cam Newton talked to the media today. And I tweeted out earlier, I said, uh, you know, people, they weren't happy when Cam Newton left the press conference early and he's talking today and they're still not happy. Now they're not happy with things that he's saying. The the honesty, he was giving you honesty today. And if you didn't see it, well, he said some questionable things about that play late in the game in which he fumbled for the second time and he didn't go and dive for the football. Like, the criticism of that is fine. I'm all about it. You don't die for the football? Come on. Like, go go get it. You can be criti- you're criticized for that. You're the MVP. I'm not thinking about celebrations. I'm not thinking about... Um, I'm not even thinking about the MVP. You're the quarterback. The ball's loose. It's the Super Bowl. Go get it. Like, you should be criticized for that. If I'm a Panther fan today, I'm not mad at the press conference. I'm mad at the, the fact that you didn't die for the fucking football. That's what I'm mad at. And today, Cam Newton spoke. He, he was honest about it. He said, look, um, I, I, my, if I had dove for the ball at that point, uh, in that moment, my knee was going to bend the wrong way, and, I, and, and it wasn't going to end well for me. Now, I, I think when, when you look at that comment, I think you can criticize that comment. There's no question. But there are people who, who are not just criticizing the comment. They're, they're you know, the people that criticized him for not talking, now they're still criti- it just it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that it, it continues on. Cam Newton talked today. You want to criticize the on-the-field stuff? Be my guest. They deserve, they deserve to be criticized. If you're a Panther fan, you shouldn't be happy with the way that went down on Sunday. Your team lost and your quarterback sucked. All right? You, you wanted better than that. You didn't get it. 
Um, and and I, I you know, I, I joked today. I was laughing. It's laughable. The, 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 the fact that we're still going back to the Cam Newton press conference and and sort of labeling him now as a crybaby or someone who can't, uh, doesn't want to face the music. It's, it's, we're still talking about that. It's just too much. It's an overreaction. I agree. The press conference after the Super Bowl was a bad look. But to still be talking about it today is an overreaction of epic proportions, all right? It's insane. And he spoke today. I told you he would speak. He gave you answers today, and yet people still knock him. Uh, knock him for the on-field stuff? Let's do it. And and you know what? I had someone tweet me earlier. They say, oh, we can't criticize him for, for you know, saying basically that he didn't want to get injured. That's why he didn't die for the football. No, I think you can. I think you can, but don't connect it. Don't connect it to, to don't, don't sit there and see that and say, well, he should have said that after the game. Like, I hear people doing that. It's like, Forget about the post-game press conference. And you know what? I defended Cam Newton against all this insane criticism yesterday. Again, not to the point where I said it didn't look bad. I thought the press conference, him leaving early, I thought it looked bad. But, I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to sit here and judge him on that. I I didn't get worked up about it. It didn't piss me off. It really didn't. But it pissed a lot of other people off, and, and people to the point where people are still upset with it two days later. Get over it. Get over it. But yesterday, sort of in my defense of Cam Newton, I, I played you the Chris Harris audio because, again, I think people who are still upset about Cam Newton's post-game press conference after the Super Bowl, I still don't think they've heard the—I still don't think they've gone out of their way to try to not just hear the Chris Harris audio, but see the video of it. And even if you—it's li- on yesterday's podcast. I played it twice. And I hope I set it up, you know, enough for you where you can understand what's going on. But if you can't, go watch the video. Cam Newton's giving his post-game press conference. And Chris Harris, his voice is, is on the loudspeaker. And he's right next to Cam Newton doing a press conference. People are like, oh, people are treating me like, oh, well, there was a curtain in between them. I don't give a shit if there was a brick wall in between them. You could, the fact that you could hear... Chris Harris's voice, not even just his voice. He wasn't like praising Peyton Manning. He was knocking Cam Newton. Like he was shitting on the quarterback that he just shut down and stopped and 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 stole a Super Bowl from. I, I told all I say is I'd be upset with that too. To the point where I don't think Cam Newton really owes anybody anything else to that point, based again, based on the situation at hand, all right? And I'm talking all factors involved. And like it or not, the Chris Harris thing was a factor in him getting up and walking away. I would have walked away too, as pissed off as I'd be with that. And, 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 you know, to get in to sort of Cam Newton's mindset with that, well, I'm going to read you a quote today when he talked. He, he talked this afternoon in Charlotte, getaway day for the Panthers. Said, quote, we will be back. And I mean that. We will be back. And I say that with so much emphasis. If I offended somebody, that's cool. But I know who I am. And I'm not about to conform nor bend for anybody's expectations because you or anybody else's expectations would never exceed mine. And, and you know, that goes into what Cam Newton expected to do, to do on Sunday. 
He expected to win a Super Bowl. And, and he's probably right. His expectations for himself are greater than anybody else's. And not only did he expect to win a Super Bowl, um, you know, he plays this game to probably want that more than anything else in the world. And when you don't get that, and not only do you not get it, but you have your worst showing and worst game of your, basically your career. That was a nightmare situation for Cam Newton on Sunday. Okay, it was. And, you know, for the people that talk about sportsmanship after that game, well, I still don't know that they've even seen the picture or video of Cam Newton walking out to the 50-yard line shaking hands with the Denver Broncos after the game. What is that? Is that not sportsmanship? It's, it's, I don't understand that. Are you, are you ignoring that part of it? You, you're going to ignore that? Um, but the press conference, you know, the people that are still talking about it today, I, I still don't, when I say all factors evolved, the Chris Harris thing, that was a factor. I still don't think that pe- everybody who's still talking about the postgame has heard the Chris Harris stuff. You got to go listen to it. You have to go listen to that. And, you know, the people who are also still talking about that, I, I don't know that they've seen the actual transcript of the Cam of the entire Cam Newton postgame press conference. I'll tell you what. I defended Cam yesterday. I gave you the Chris Harris audio. I said all factors involved. All factors involved, the Super Bowl loss, the way they lost, how bad they wanted to win, the fact that they were favorites, the fact that they were rattled, they hadn't experienced anything like this this season, and they obviously didn't know how to deal with it after, in, at least in the press conference. Um, and I defended Cam, and you know what? I still actually hadn't seen the transcript of the post-game press conference till today. And when I actually look at the post-game press conference transcript today, I, I'm actually shocked as to how long it went on. Two and a half minutes. I didn't know there were 13 questions. I read an ESPN story today where they said handful of questions. Cam Newton walked out after a handful of questions. Well, that's wrong. What's a handful? It'll be five, right? Okay. Uh, Cam Newton answered 13 questions post-game. 13. I could go back. And I could get you more than a handful this season of NFL players who probably ended their press conferences abruptly without answering 13 questions in games that weren't even as big as the Super Bowl. Like, I could give you that. And I wouldn't even have to leave New England trans- New England Patriots transcripts to give you that. Okay? I wouldn't. And I, I'm, not tr- I'm not trying to... I don't want to get into the Belichick press conference thing. I mean, we all know he has... Be- we all know Belichick gives terrible press conferences. It's laughable. It's a joke. But I never... I mean, I never... I don't knock him for it. I never knock him for it. I laugh. I don't call him a sore loser. I say, yeah, it's a competitor. He wanted to win. Um, Cam Newton said today, you give me a sore loser, you show me a sore loser, and I'll show you a loser. I mean, he's right. I, I, and, and I mean, I've never, I don't knock, when Brady wasn't going to the, and remember Rich Eisen crushed Brady in a tweet earlier this season because Brady didn't show up to the NFL Network stage post-game with the boys and, and, and you know, get a gift and do all the jokes and everything. No, I said Brady shouldn't go. If he doesn't want to go, he doesn't have to go. Even if the flake ain't never happened, he doesn't have to go to that. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, look, 
other players do some things when it comes to press conferences and 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 media uh, situations that 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 aren't exactly by the book, aren't exactly the way you should do things. But but it happens. It happens. Um, but when I go back and actually read the transcript to the Cam Newton stuff today, I and I defended him yesterday with it. Again, played the Chris Harris audio. Uh, told you the situation at hand, all factors involved. I still hadn't read the transcript. I saw the video, but the video, they don't even show the whole press conference. 13 questions Cam Newton answered. Now, a couple of them were one-word answers, two-word, three-word answers. I mean, the first answer, first question was, what's your message to Panthers fans? He said, we'll be back. I mean, that's a pretty damn good quote. That's right off the bat, don't you think? I... As someone who would have to write something on deadline covering this Super Bowl, if my angle was Cam Newton, and right away he gives you the will be back, I mean, it almost, you could turn that into, is that a guarantee? Turn it into a guarantee if you want. That's a, that's a great quote. To, you know, the former reporter in me, I feel like I could do an awful lot with just those words. We'll be back. What's your message to Panthers fans? We'll be back. Really? That's that's the first thing you say. <laughs> we'll be back. Some pretty that's, that's pretty confident. Um, you know, and then obviously one word answers. Got outplayed. Got outplayed, bro. No. Uh, nope. Um, you know, there was one answer that was longer than than them all. And, and you know, he gave the oh, he gave the typical. It was uh. You know, they scored more points than us, answer, right? It's not the best answer. It's not the answer anybody wants, wanted to hear at that point. But the kid was frustrated. And then he's asked, can you put into words the disappointment you feel right now? He says, we lost. <laughs> okay, I mean, what? can you put into words the disappointment that you feel? He fucking lost his Super Bowl. Of course he's disappointed. And people wouldn't have been, people only would have been happy if he flipped out on the reporter that asked. He said, we lost. What do you think? Um, he didn't want to answer the question about the fumble. He says, I don't know. He, uh, said, did Denver change anything? He says, no. Um, the final question. Shakes his head. He says, I'm done, man. He walks off. You gotta, again, you gotta watch the video of it. He's looking over. He's hearing Chris Harris. That's all he's hearing. But also, combined with Chris Harris, which was also the 13th question he was about to, he was asked. 13. 13, 14 questions. I never knew it was that many questions. It's a lot of questions. It's more than a handful, which is what they'll tell you if you read the stories today. Uh, the final question that was asked, ready? Here is what it is. Uh, Cam, I know you're disappointed, not just for yourself, but for your teammates. You guys talked about being a band of brothers coming in. It's got to be real tough. <laughs> I would have thrown my microphone at the guy. You've already asked me about disappointment. Got to be tough. It's got to be tough? Um, yeah, no shit. It is tough. I just lost the Super Bowl. I already said that. I mean, it's it, people are talking about this press conference. I still don't even know how long they know it went on for. I think they thought it was 30 seconds, three questions. He got up and left. I, I, I honestly think 13 questions. 13. All right, he didn't give long answers for you. He didn't. He didn't give you the in-depth responses. We, uh, I think, you know, I, I think what pisses people off the most, though, when people talk about it is that he left early. 
He just got up and walked off. The, the Chris Harris thing is a fact. I don't care what you say. And the final question is this a stupid fucking question. I know you're disappointed, but how about your band of brothers, your teammates? It's got to be real tough, huh? <laughs> of course it's real tough, you fool. I just lost the fucking Super Bowl. Like, what do you want from me right now? And why am I listening to Chris? Why is Chris Harris's audio in my head? And he's and he's talking about how he stopped me in the game. What are we doing here, folks? What are we doing here? And I don't. To be honest, I don't. I'm not even knocking. I'm not even knocking Chris Harris. I'm knocking the setup from the NFL. Why they do it that way is beyond me. I have no idea. My point is, I read the transcript for the first time today. The full transcript. I was shocked to see that he answered 13 questions. Maybe not the way people wanted him to answer them. But, but 13 questions, I, I didn't know it was that many. When I listened to people who were upset about it, I just assumed he was up there. I knew it was about two minutes, but now you read two and a half minutes. They say less than three, but I didn't. I just kind of figured there was a lot more uh, pause from reporters and that questions weren't really being asked or there were maybe only like five, six questions. 13 questions. That's, that's more than I thought. When I, and I opened this up today. So, I mean, even more so. Like, I, 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 just don't, I just don't see it as a big deal. And, you know, I keep going back to, you know, with people still talking about it, I just, I laugh. It, I, because I don't know what else, I don't know, like, I don't know what else to say to people. I don't know what else Cam Newton, what do they think Cam Newton owes them? Like, what do people, what does Cam Newton owe you guys? He gave a press conference today, and now you don't even like his answers on the fumble question. All right. Go after, you can go after him. Criticize him on the on-field stuff. He sucked. But what else about that post-game press conference? Like, what does he owe you? Honestly, I, I don't know. That's where I, I don't even know where else to argue with that. And, and when I think about that, you know, people are tweeting me and, and on Facebook, they're writing on my page. I'm going back and forth with people on Facebook because the, a popular phrase that people keep using to me is, Cam Newton needs to face the music. He needs to face the music. They keep going back to this phrase, face the music. And, you know, I, I'm, so I'm sitting there last night. I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the end of Monday Night Raw. Daniel Bryan retiring, giving a retirement announcement. <laughs> to be honest, I thought maybe Daniel Bryan. I thought they were promoting it so much that I thought maybe it was a work. And maybe, like, as Daniel Bryan was announcing his retirement from the WWE last night as he was in the ring crying, I thought, like, some Brock Lesnar's music was going to come down and he was going to get... Uh, a choke slam or an F5. Like, I, I just thought that's where they were going with it. <laughs> anything, you, anything in WWE. I mean, any storyline, you can't take it. I always, maybe this is the conspiracy theorist when it comes to WWE in me, but I always seem to think there's something in the back of my head. I'm always like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, what could they be doing here for the future? Is this serious? This can't be real. Can it? <laughs> Uh, I have more thoughts on Daniel Bryan. Uh, I'll give them later on. But I'm sitting there watching it. And, you know, my phone's going off because people on Facebook are, oh, he's got to face the music. All he does is dance around all season long. And then, the, you know, the one game, it doesn't work out for him. He's not dancing anymore. He's got to face the music after that game. Uh, oh, oh, you know, show some class there, Sammy. Show, you know, you want to celebrate all season. When you lose, show some class. And I guess I'm sitting there going, so wait a minute. So the guys that don't celebrate when they lose, what do they get? A free pass on a terrible or a short press conference? When they end them abruptly? 
Um, I've been in many press conferences where guys end press conferences abruptly. And, and yeah, my, you might not really know about it because it's, it's not just a walk-off. He says, thank you, guys. But that's not it. The media relations guy didn't say, I got, you got two more questions. Usually you wait till the media relations guy says, all right, two more questions for him. I've been in so many press conferences where it doesn't even get to that point. I've been in so many press conferences where the media relations guy never even says anything and the player goes, thank you guys, and he walks off. But the fact that he says, thank you guys, and you just see that, you think, oh, the press conference is over. Well, no, it wasn't. Media relations guy never told me that there were two more questions left. Never told us. The player just ended it. But, but if that player doesn't celebrate all season after touchdowns, he gets a free pass for that? So, so that's, that's one thing I don't understand. Um, and, again, the other thing is, you, you know, the whole face in the music thing. Like, like what, what is this? F- I don't understand the face to music. Here's, here's, you know what face in the music is? Or actually, you know what? Let me, I'm a, like, can I tell you a story? Can I just tell you a story? And, and I know I'm not a reporter anymore, and I don't want to be one. Yeah, you know, I've the, the my career in this business has been fucking insane. Um, but but I, I've known all along what I want to do, and it's have my own sports talk show, in you know, in, in an entertainment fashion. Like I, I'm here to be an entertainer. I am not a reporter. I I am not a beat writer. I mean, at one point I was. I worked for Comcast Sportsnet. I covered the Red Sox. I covered the Patriots. I covered the Bruins. I did some Celtics. I was in the locker rooms, after practices, at practices after games, doing some stuff before games. I mean, I've, I've been in the post game. I've been in the rooms. I've been in the post. I've been front row in the post game press conferences for some of the one, biggest ones you've ever seen. Randy Moss, where he came out, was it the Bengals game? In, in which the Patriots won, and, and he's talking about his fucking contract? And you're going, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, what's going on here? I, I you know? Bill Belichick press conference, Brady, you name them. I've been there. Red Sox ones with the opposing teams coming in. I've been in them all. I've been in a lot of big ones. And, uh, you know, so, my, but, but, you know, my goal has never been to be a reporter. But I was one. And, and when I was a reporter, um, I, I, this Cam Newton stuff, the last couple days with, with people being overly pissed off about the Cam Newton post-game press conference. I've, I've laughed at it. It's not a big deal to me. But I'll say this. At one point in time, the post-game press conference thing was a big deal to me. And you know when that was? That was when I was a reporter. I was with Comcast Sportsnet... And look, before Comcast, I covered high school sports, you know, for the Boston Globe, for the Patriot Ledger, um, wrote for even smaller local newspapers, covered cross-country track. I mean, look, I, I've, I've been there, okay? I put in my time. And, and then when I get to Comcast Sports, that I'm covering the pro teams. From, I think, 09, when they first launched their website, I was one of the first, you know, I really was with them when they launched the website. Through the middle of two, the, the summer of 2013, I think maybe June, July, maybe of 2013, I was done. Uh, they, I got laid off because basically the Celtics sucked. They made the trade with Brooklyn, and uh, you know 
that was it, I guess. And, and I got laid off. I still do some, some TV stuff for them now, but that's separate from what I did as a reporter on their website at the time. So I spent a good four years with them covering these teams. And, and, and the Cam Newton stuff, the post-game press conference reaction, it reminded me of a time when I covered the Boston Bruins. NHL team here in, in this town. Um, and the captain of the Boston Bruins is Zdeno Chara. And he's been the captain for a while now. But there were a couple times in which the Bruins, things weren't really going their way. And they were a team that when I covered them, you know, they were in contention. And, and, and they were in contention during a time in which, you know, the guy that returns to Boston tonight with the LA Kings, Milan Lucic. I hope you read his Players Tribune piece, just a little off topic here. Milan Lucic returning tonight to the Garden. He's with the Kings. He was traded uh, this past summer, and uh, he's going to return to Boston for the first time tonight. And he wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune about his start with the Bruins, thanking people in Boston, and, you know, bringing us back to his time when he began with the Bees in his, what, eight seasons with the team, right? You know, around the time that he came into the Bruins organization and and, and broke in with the pro team, and stay with the team that didn't send him back to juniors. Milan Lucic, that team, that group, when Zidane Chara was the captain, when I was covering the team at that point in time, they were, contend- they were contending. They were contenders. They turned themselves into, I don't want to say powerhouse, but they were a team that you did not want to play against. And the captain of the team was Zidane Chara. And because they were contenders in this town of Boston, in which we are crazy for these sports teams, okay, when things, when you have a rough stretch, People in this town are going to react to it, and and we're not going to be happy about it. Now, again, I tell you, at the time, I was a reporter. At least, you know, I had to work as one. At the time, I was still, you know, doing my job, building up my resume there. And, um, you know, Zidane Chara as the captain, there were a couple times when the Bruins were in a, in a rough patch that Zidane Chara did not speak to the media. He did, he did, not, come, he did not speak to the media. Or when he did, you know, he, he kind of, he gave some shortened answers. He gave answers people didn't like. But there were times where he just didn't want to talk. Zidane Chara not going to be made available to the media tonight. After a tough loss, he's the captain. And, you know, initially, I, I didn't really have a reaction to it. But, but there were other media members around me, other reporters, um, who, who were pissed off. They were pissed off about this. And so I think it's, you know, it's just kind of natural in, in that state where uh, there were a lot of people around me that I looked up to, you know, reporters who have been in the business for a while that I said, you, you know, and, and you sort of agree with them. You end up, you end up agreeing with them I be- to the point where I became pissed off too. Because, as, you know, you want the quote, you know, you need the quote. You're writing on deadline, you know, you want the player to talk about these things. And, and that's what it was about. To me, what I saw, they were pissed, so I was pissed too. Other reporters are pissed that Chara didn't talk. Captain of the team, you want to hear from him after a game. You want the quote. You need the quote for the story. I became pissed off too because of that reason. But then I saw that emotion from some other reporters. Go, go beyond that. It went, it went beyond the I need the quote for the story portion of the anger that I saw. And it turned into a team issue, according to these reporters. Like, like, if the captain didn't speak after the game, this was a bad look 
forget about their column or the story that they wanted to write and being pissed off because they couldn't get that quote from him that night right after the game on deadline or whatever it was. They started to turn the anger and frustration with that into, you know what? The captain doesn't talk after a tough loss when they were in a tough stretch. When he doesn't talk to the media, this is affecting the group. Behind closed doors, this is affecting that team. Other players aren't happy about that. And, um, you know, as a fellow reporter at the time, I I bought into that. I bought into that. I can remember going on radio hits as a guest, as a Bruins guest, saying, you know what? I can remember saying it. I can remember saying Zidane O'Chara, the captain, he needs to talk. And I wasn't saying it because of my story. I needed the quote. I had writing on deadline after that game that he didn't talk. I was saying it because I, I had bought into this anger issue that was in the press box that was, you know what? This, the captain not talking after a tough loss is going to affect the team. To the point where I can remember actually believing it. I bought in. I bought in that that was the reason. That we were all pissed off. That that should have been the reason we were all pissed off. Years later, I'm not a reporter anymore, I told you. I'm not. I mean, I'm not telling you I was a good one when I was one. I worked hard at it. I wasn't. It just wasn't my thing. I never set foot in this business to be a reporter. I set foot in this business to to be behind the mic, to be, you know, an entertainer, to have a sports talk radio show, which I do on the weekends on WEI, you know. Um, I, I... that's what I'm in this for. So years later, I'm not a reporter anymore. I, I look back on that. And and look, I've I've my time as a reporter, my time in the media, I've created some relationships with athletes, friendships, and and you know, y- y- you you get to know some of these guys. And not only that, but I also have friends that I grew up with who went on to become professional athletes and you know, getting to know all these guys years later, knowing these uh, players, having got to see the mindset of them a little bit more clearly over the years, you know, really getting to know what they're thinking when it comes to issues like that that I just mentioned. What I found out was the idea that these players get worked up about another teammate's or an opponent's press conference. I mean, it's just not true. Like, it's just, they, like, they're just not getting worked up about that. And, you know, when I think back to the Dano Chara thing, and people saying, well, Chara's the captain, you know, he didn't speak, and the players are really going to, you know, they're going to be pissed off about that because they have to answer the questions now, and it's going to split the locker room apart. Zidane Chara needs to talk to the media after a tough loss because he's the captain, and it's pulling this team apart. I mean, that just couldn't be more... That couldn't be more. What I've learned was that couldn't be more further from the truth. And really, what that anger stemmed from at the beginning was just, hey, I'm not getting my quote on deadline. I want to talk to the guy who is the leader of this team to get a vibe as to what's actually going on behind the scenes. And I want that quote because I want my story to be right. You know, it it, it started being about the story, and then it became, well, it's going to affect the team. And I just think they're two different things. But I think what we do is we combine them. I'm guilty of it. I've done it. I was a reporter. I combined them. I was on shows going, I can remember saying it. I can remember believing it. I bought in. That's what happens. And come to find out, it's just not, it couldn't be further from the truth. So, and and, you know, I can't speak for everyone. I can't. 
I can't speak for everybody, but but I've I've been able to get into the mindset of enough players, of enough athletes, of enough professionals to know that some of the things that we talk about in the media and talk about on Twitter just just are not true. And press conferences and and the reaction to press conferences inside the room is, is one of them. It, it's one of those things. It's, and the Bruins in that situation, all they wanted or would have preferred out of Zidane Chara, you know, we turned it into they prefer he speaks, they prefer uh, he talks to the media after a tough loss because he's the captain. All the Bruins would have preferred was is that Zidane Chara go out the next game and perform like the dominant defenseman that he was and help him win. That's all they preferred. That's what they prefer. That's, that's what they want more than anything. And all the Carolina Panthers prefer and care about is that Cam Newton makes another run at an NFL MVP next year. That's all they care about. They don't care about his post-game press conference. Right? They don't. It, it doesn't affect them. And, and, you know, so yet I'm listening to so many people get worked up about Cam Newton walking out of his post-game Super Bowl press conference not wanting to face the music. As if those five to ten minutes at a podium is actually what they consider to be facing the music. People in the media might, and some fans do, and I do think that so many media members talk about that and care about it, that it's gospel to a lot of fans, especially in the day and age of Twitter. What a lot of media says is gospel to a lot of fans. You know, some some media members more than others, obviously. But you know what I'm saying. Uh... And I think what's become gospel is this idea, as I mentioned, that when a player doesn't doesn't give you a post-game press conference that a media member, you know, uh, enjoys or likes or wants to see. And, and I think that fans react to that along with the media members. But I think the reaction is this whole idea of facing the music. The players, the post-game press conference, the players don't look at that as facing the music. I, I honestly believe that. You know what facing the music is to them? To Cam Newton on Sunday? Facing the music is having to walk into that locker room, having to look them in the eye, every single one of your teammates, having to look them in the eye and and, and tell them and, and apologize to them for having the worst game of your life on the biggest stage. He doesn't need to tell the media that. Facing the music is Cam Newton having to walk into his room and, and, and being basically embarrassed and upset and pissed off about the way you played. About the fact that you guys could win and the quarterback couldn't help you guys win. That's facing the music. Facing the music is having to walk across the field with orange confetti raining down on you, with the other team dancing and celebrating and doing your dab and doing your dance. Which, again, I don't have any problem with that. They want to do it, they can do it. But let, let's face it. Cam Newton had to walk out and see that. And for people to say he didn't face the music, well, he did. He walked out across the field, saw them, they dancing around him. I'm sure some players had some things to say to him while they were dancing. And he went over and he shook Peyton Manning's hand. And congratulated him as the orange confetti came down and said, congratulations on a great career. Congratulations on the Super Bowl. You beat us today. That's facing the music. 
to me. That's, that's how I react to that. And then having to go back in your room, in your locker room, and look your teammates and coaches in the eye with embarrassment, with anger, with devastation, frustration. You name the emotions. It was a nightmarish night, a nightmarish game, a nightmarish situation all around for the Carolina Panthers. Okay? It was. And that stuff behind the scenes, between the lines, on the field, in the locker room, that's facing the music. You ask me whether or not Cam Newton faced the music on Sunday, I say, well, did he go out and, and congratulate the other team? He did, right after the game. Did he go into his locker room with his teammates after the game? Yeah, he did. Did he, did he face the music? I, I consider that being facing the music. People, some people have turned facing the music into the press conference. And I don't know when that became facing the music, but, but I can tell you, as someone who was a reporter, at one point in time, I also looked at that press conference as facing the music. I, I don't think that's right. Now that I'm outside of that, you know, being a reporter and, and, and getting to know the mindset of, of some pro athletes, facing the music to them is not the press conference. Like, like the Panthers expected him to finish that press conference and say all the right things. And if he didn't, well, this isn't going to work out next season. I mean, come on. You know how it's going to work out next season? You know the only thing the Carolina Panthers players care about? You know what the only thing they care about? Is Cam Newton helping them get back next year. And one thing that Cam Newton did say at the very beginning of the press conference is, we'll be back. Said we'll be back. So, um, yeah, I, get, I actually, I'm opening my phone right now. A buddy of mine, a buddy of mine texted me. He goes, Cam's like, Cam is classless. He says he's classless. He's a disgrace. And he made it worse by speaking today. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. So what do you, what do you want? I ask you, what do you want? You want him to be Tom Brady up there? It's not Tom Brady. And people who want him to be Tom Brady, I still think you got to recognize that Tom Brady won three Super Bowls before he lost one. I think you probably have a different reaction at that point. Um, but I don't even, even want to get into comparing them. I'm just telling you, answering questions post-game, sure, it didn't look good. But it also wasn't as bad as it looked when you consider all the factors involved. And I just gave you the factors. He's dancing around, so he's got to face the music when he loses. Facing the music is walking out with confetti pouring down on you, shaking the other quarterback's hand, congratulating him, and then having to go into your room completely embarrassed because you're the MVP, you're the quarterback that couldn't get it done in the biggest game on the biggest stage. And in fact, not only that, on the biggest stage, in the biggest game, you might have had the worst night of your life. That's facing the music. I hate did that. Press conference, you don't like it? 13 questions. Answer 13 questions. I don't care how he answered them. He answered them. And uh, he walked off. But how about the Chris Harris audio right in, his, right in his face when he's doing that? I mean, would that, that, that wouldn't piss you off? I joked yesterday. I said, I put a video on Instagram, Facebook. I said, because uh, I had some friends who either didn't go to work or left work early because we had two inches of snow. And I said, you're shitting all over Cam Newton for leaving a press conference after he lost the Super Bowl. 
and you're leaving work early or not showing up for work because of two inches of snow. I already know that you, because of that, you wouldn't be able to. You can't handle two inches of snow. You wouldn't be able to handle losing a Super Bowl gracefully. And uh, the fact that you got your panties in a bunch and you're getting all bent out of shape because a, a, a player left a press conference early when he lost a Super Bowl, that's telling me that you wouldn't be able to handle a Super Bowl loss. You're getting worked up about this. It's just, it's too much. You know what would have been a, a proper uh, analysis of that postgame press conference? Would have been, eh, didn't look good. Probably should have not walked away like that. But it's not the end of the world. He's going to speak in a couple days. Tough loss. Awful night for Carolina. He should have played better. You want to criticize Cam Newton on the field Sunday? Go Be my guest. Go ahead. You want to criticize just that quote today that he had about not going for the football, so being concerned about injury? You know, be my guest. But... You know, the idea that he leave a press conference early and that somehow affects the room or affects him as a leader to that team, it doesn't, it's just, eh, it, it doesn't come together like that. There are some media members that might want you to think it comes together like that, and I can say that from firsthand knowledge, knowing that when I was a reporter, I bought into that as well, and I tried to feed it off to people as gospel, like it was gospel, but now that I'm out of there, it's not gospel. It's not true. It's not. But yet, people are still worked up about it like it matters inside that room. The only thing that matters in Carolina is that Cam Newton shows up to work day one next year and is the the same quarterback, the same quarterback. They want the same guy. And you know what? You might be able to say, maybe Cam will learn from this. It's a learning lesson. And, you know, and, and he can... His neck, if he does get to some game and he loses next season and he wants to not walk off, maybe he doesn't give you great answers, but maybe he won't walk off this time. Or in fact, maybe the, the, an opposing player on the other team that shut him down won't be talking right next to him during the same press conference. You want to say that and he can learn from this? Okay, fine. But I guarantee you the Carolina Panthers players, coaches, they want the same exact guy back next year. Guarantee you that. They want the guy dancing. They want the guy scoring touchdowns, throwing touchdowns, running for first downs, dabbing. They want that guy. They don't want a different guy. Yeah, people knocking his character. The Panthers want that guy with that character back next year because he can help them win and gives them a great chance to win next year. That's what they want. And, and that's just getting lost in the shuffle. But that's people buy into it. You're buying into this idea that him leaving that post-game press conference early the other day is somehow uh, an indication of what type of pro athlete he is and character. And, man, I mean, he, he said, I agree with the quote. You show me a, a, a sore loser, and I'll show you a loser. And, I look, from the get-go, I've agreed with people. It didn't look good, the press conference. But I also, you look a little bit more into it. 13 questions, a lot of questions. I, I, it's a lot. What didn't go down the way people wanted it to go down, but just because it didn't go down the way people wanted it to go down doesn't mean that it's the end of the world and that we should still be talking about it. But yet, I, people still talking about it today, and when he did talk, Cam Newton did talk today, it still wasn't good enough for him. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know what you want anymore. I really don't. But uh, we'll move on from it. Hopefully, that's the last time we have to talk about it. And um, hopefully... When we get into some more football stuff, the next Patriots storyline is that 
uh, it is a, and, and when it comes to a press conference, it's a Dante Scarnecchia press conference, a conference call. Because I'd love to see uh, that actually happen. I know it's been reported that it's likely to happen. Have I don't think the Patriots have sent out any official announcement yet. If they have, I missed it, and I apologize. I don't, I, at least I didn't get it. I usually get the announcements uh, in my email, and I haven't seen that. I'm just seeing reports that it's going to happen. Uh, so that's great news for the Patriots. Other NFL news, we got Johnny Manziel. He reportedly ruptured his girlfriend's eardrum, and now reports also say he showed up to practice drunk in the last week of the season. Like the kid's got problems, and and I know that I had said during the season when it comes to some of the videos that came out of him pottying. You know, I rolled my eyes and I knocked the people that made that a big deal. I. I Put it this way, I knocked it because I didn't know the deal was this big. And in fact, those people at that time weren't telling me that the deal was this big, and maybe they should have. You cannot joke around about domestic violence, and in general. I mean, in general, you can't joke around about it, okay? It's a serious matter. But especially the NFL, with things that they've had happen, they need to come down on this as serious as one could possibly come down on this. And, uh, you know, this cannot be allowed in the league. So, I mean, it's a disgrace. And when you do dig a little bit deeper into the drinking stuff, all right, yeah, there's a problem there too. And maybe that problem is resulting in some of the other problems that we're talking about that will be huge issues for the National Football League moving forward. But you're the NFL. You know, you're trying to do things right. You're taking all the motions to go hard after players and do things the right way. Well, you see stories like this. He's hitting his girlfriend, rupturing her eardrum. Okay, one, you got to get him some help. Two, you have to take the domestic violence stuff very seriously. And and he cannot play because he cannot play because of this. And I don't just mean giving him a ten game suspension like he gave Greg Hardy, and then you know handing it off to an independent arbitrator. Roger Goodell needs to to be the guy battling his own CBA that he's been with the Flakegate, and he needs to show up to any type of appeal hearing. You know, you got to give the big suspension to Johnny Manziel for doing this, and on top of it, you better show up at the appeal. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't show up to the Greg Hardy appeal. You know, you, you got to, you got to, you should have been at that one. So make up for it, be at this one, if he appeals it, whatever suspension you give. But Manziel's got to get suspended. You got, the league's got to punish him. But at the same time, you got to find him some help. You know, they need to be, they need to be um, aggressive on that front as well, as you can hear the quotes from his father. But the more this news comes out, the worse it looks for Johnny Manziel. And uh, not just his status in the league, but his status uh, on, this, on, this, on the face of the earth. I mean, come on. Like, the kid needs help. Get him help, but also you got to punish him. You have to. You have to do both. So it, that's some awful news because he's he's a great he's a great talent. I'm not gonna say great quarterback, obviously, but the talent that he has, tell me that he's he's not a great talent. Yes, he is. Um. Now, obviously, there are other issues there that might have affected his future in the NFL. Even if you know there was no domestic violence charges. Uh, when, when it, I'm talking about the alcohol, but I mean, out, I'm talking outside of all that. It's even more of a, a shame because he was such a 
a talented football player, such a talented quarterback that right now it all seems to be going to waste. So it's a sad story, sad, sad story. And they need to get him help, but they also need to step in and take the domestic violence stuff very seriously at the same time. Something that, that, that we've questioned the NFL about many times recently. And as we talk about NFL and, we, and them coming down on punishments, of course, we shouldn't even have to mention air pressure in a football in the same conversation as domestic violence. We shouldn't. But that's the precedent that the commissioner set, unfortunately. And that's why I've crushed this commissioner. That's why a lot of us have crushed this commissioner. And I will continue to do so. I was going to do it on today's podcast, but I, I think I'm going to hold off until tomorrow because we got some other things to do. Um, and, and those other things are here in Boston, Milan Lucic, I mentioned, he returns to Boston tonight. He's a member of the LA Kings. He was traded over the offseason. You got to go read his piece in the Players' Tribune. Uh, eight seasons with the Bruins, one Stanley Cup. He was a key piece of that Stanley Cup. Uh, and, and, and I hope he gets the ovation and the, the montage video that he deserves tonight. I really do, because he deserves one. Milan Lucic was a major piece of that Stanley Cup. And you know what? There's times you watch this Bruins team this season, and you say to yourself, you know, you say to yourself, man, uh, you kind of you wish you had him on this team. You know, that, that video clip a couple weeks ago, where he's in front of the net and he's throwing his hands and, you know, he comes across and he uh, he hits the ref kind of with a punch. <laughs> it was the same night that Dennis Weidman hit the ref. Uh, you, even though you can't hit a ref, that aggressiveness out front, Milan Lucic taking his hands like a wild man and, and, and being a force to be reckoned with, you miss that. This Bruins team misses that. I really do believe so. And you can read in the Players' Tribune where he talks about when he first showed up to the Bruins, he was out there dropping the mitts, fighting, and when he first fought in the Garden, he could feel that explosion. He could feel that passion from the fan base that they were just dying to have the big, bad Bruins back again. And Milan Lucic, he recognized that. Just after one fight in the Garden while he was wearing a number that even he acknowledged, you know, when they give him number, what, 62? Those are the numbers that you give to guys that are going back to juniors. And the Bruins had a decision to make on Milan Lucic. What was it, 10 games maybe? Whatever it was. They had to decide at a certain point in time early in the season, we either have to send him back to the juniors, back to juniors, or we have to keep him the rest of the season. And if you keep him the rest of the season, you keep him the rest of the way. Big decision. They kept him. It was a great decision by the organization. And, uh, you know, Milan Lucic, did help make this Bruins team the big, bad Bruins once again. A team that nobody wanted to play against. And now that he's gone, look, they got a first-round pick. Um, they got a goaltender that they then traded to turn into another first-round pick. So essentially they got two of those, two first-round picks. And a, a young defenseman in Colin Miller that Colin Miller may turn out to be a very good defenseman in this league. But there's certainly the aspect of Milan Lucic on that ice with this team that you miss because it just doesn't feel like that team that nobody wants to play anymore, right? It just, I don't think people come into the TD, clearly they don't. I mean, the Bruins, they can't win in their own building this season. They're, they're awful in their own building. Teams don't come into the TD Garden saying we don't want to play this team. They don't. And, and I think Milan Lucic's presence, or, or now lack thereof, 
is a major factor in that. So Milan Lucic, he wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune where he said, thank you to Boston, and here I am. Uh, I'll say it this way. It's not thank you, Boston. It's people in Boston should be saying thank you, Milan Lucic, because he did uh, play a major role in helping bring a Stanley Cup back to Boston. And uh, he's no longer a Bruin. He's a member of the LA Kings. The contract, obviously, was a reason why you moved him. Even Milan Lucic acknowledged it. And uh, it should be interesting tonight, the type of ovation that he gets. I, I mean, I believe even though Luch's last couple years were underwhelming to the point where we looked at his talent and we said it can be better than this, right? And not even talent. I think we questioned his effort. We did for an 82-game season, uh, which I told you is a tough thing to do to give 110% the way he plays every single night in an 82-game season plus playoffs. It's just... It's almost impossible to do. And yet people question it. So it... Lucha's last couple years were underwhelming. I still think, though, he's the place is going to be rocking for him tonight. I do. I think they'll be rocking for him tonight. Uh, and I'll, I will, uh, I'll react to this on tomorrow's podcast. Also tonight around the league, Marty Brodeur will have his number 30 retired in New Jersey. The legendary Devils goaltender Marty Brodeur having number 30 retired tonight. In New Jersey, and also the Maple Leafs have traded Captain Dion Phaneuf to the Ottawa Senators in a nine-player deal. And around the league, people who cover this team and cover the NHL, they're sort of hinting towards maybe this means the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had Dion Phaneuf locked up for the next four, five, six years, I think, right? Uh, they're maybe freeing up some space to make a serious free agent run at Steven Stamkos. Tampa Bay Lightning forward, who will be a free agent at the end of the season, one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in the world. Could the Leafs be making a run at him this summer? Possibly. At least that's what people are sort of hinting at when it comes to uh, what Toronto did today, trading Dion Phaneuf to Ottawa in a nine-player blockbuster deal. And sticking with hockey before I get to some NBA real quick, the bean pot wrapped up last night. BC, Boston College, beats BU one to nothing in overtime to win the bean pot. The lights went out at the TD Garden last night during this game. So uh, that was an interesting couple moments. I was flipping back and forth between that and uh, a couple NBA things and WWE, Monday Night Raw, Daniel Bryan announcing his retirement last night. I'll close out the show with thoughts on that, but real quick, in the NBA, there is some news. Sacramento Kings, they plan to fire their coach, George Carl, in the next couple days, according to reports. Oh, wait, what's that? Oh, never mind. Actually, <laughs> see, that was the early report. The second report today, and I'm doing this on purpose, the second report today is that Vladi Divac, GM of the Sacramento Kings, and coach George Carl had a lengthy meeting today to the point where the Kings have called an audible and have decided they'll keep George Call. So you've had two different reports on the Kings today. One, they're going to fire him in the next couple days, and then after a lengthy meeting, they decided to keep him. I have no idea what was said in that meeting in which they would change their mind on that. Unless they said, you know what? We're going to move to Marcus Cousins. And if that's what they're going to do, well, I told you many times before, I will Take him. I'll take him. I will take DeMarcus Cousins, and I'll give up anything for him. All right? 
I will. And people watched the Kings lose to the Celtics on Sunday before the Super Bowl. And I, y- y- the first quarter of that game, people are tweeting about Demarcus Cousins. I don't want him anywhere near Boston. Why? Because you watched him for one quarter of basketball? I mean, come on. You're going to judge the guy on one quarter? Give me a break. You wouldn't want that guy? What, you don't want the guy that puts up 27 points, 12 rebounds a night? You don't want that guy? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what some people will say. I, I just, I, it's crazy. But that's what some people want. They don't want him. I do. I want him. Get Demarcus Cousins to Boston. NBA trade deadline, February 18th. Uh, wrapping up the show, I know I've kept you a little bit longer than I usually do. WWE! Last night, Daniel Bryan announces his retirement, spoke at the end of Raw. He'll be on ESPN tonight, actually. And you know what? Another reason I hinted earlier, I told you that, I thought it was a work. Going into Monday Night Raw last night, I said, eh, maybe it's not a work. I don't think, you know, I think this is actually real life. He actually is retiring. But then as the night played on, and the more Daniel Bryan montages they had, I said to myself, this can't be real. And the reason I said that is because, all right, Daniel Bryan had a good career. He won the championships at WrestleMania 30, right? I think he won it again at SummerSlam. Um, he was a small dude and, and in, in an industry at a sort of land of the immortals and the monsters and just these huge dudes, bodybuilder type, you know, Daniel Bryan really doesn't fit in to the point where you'd make him champion, the, the WWE heavyweight champion, but he became that. And, you know, he created a, a craze like we've never seen with the yes movement and everybody chanting yes, yes, yes. But the way I always reacted to that yes movement was not that... I want to be careful. I don't want to sit here and knock Daniel Bryan, but I always looked at the yes movement and thought to myself, well, he he has a great chant that I think when fans show up to the building, it's exciting for them to do the yes and put their hands up. You know, if you have a good chant, you can get the crowd behind you. Daniel Bryan had a great chant. Had a great chant. People love doing the yes. Put the two hands up. Yes. 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 They loved it. And then they started going, no, no, no. I mean, it was great. It worked. And it made people in the arena feel like they were part of the event. More than any chant that I can remember in a long time. So when I look at Daniel Bryan's career, I don't know that I look at him as a great champion. I look at him as being a guy who got a shot, who was a hard worker, who was good in the ring, who had a great chant. And the chant made him actually better than he was. And, you know, he wasn't around that long in the WWE to the point where some of the the praise that was going his way last night. I get it. Emotional moment. He doesn't want to retire uh, what he was doing. You know, who would? Especially that young. I mean, you love what you're doing. And you put everything aside in your life to dedicate um, yourself to that. To that lifestyle. To that industry. You don't want to have to call it quits when you're not ready to call it quits. But you're being forced to because of concussions. You know, that's an emotional night. No one said it wasn't. But... The way he was 
I guess, praised on the broadcast was a little too much for me, given what I actually considered him to be, which was a good wrestler who was given a great shot because of his chant more than anything else. Honestly, the Yes movement was, to me, more about the chant than it was the guy. And I don't, that doesn't mean I didn't like him. I did like him. But do I consider him to be like one of the greatest of all time? No. It's a long history of many greats that have come in and out of that business. And Daniel Bryan is not on my list of top 10. He might not even be on my list of top 20, to be honest. All time. But yet, the way they were pumping him up for the entire three-hour broadcast last night was, was something that you would do for someone who was a top five of all time. So I didn't, so I thought it was over the top to the point where I'm thinking to myself during the broadcast, I'm thinking, oh, this might not be real. This might be a work. And I was sort of just waiting for someone's music to play as he was given his uh, announcement for retirement at the end of Raw. But it didn't happen. It was real and it was emotional. And he had one word, which was grateful. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, the fans were obviously grateful to have him given the chant and the excitement that he brought when he was in the arena. And at the end of the day, it is entertainment. And Daniel Bryan, he became an entertainer. And because of the chant, became a great entertainer. So they acknowledged him last night and his career is over. The way it's ending is a sad story. But, um, it, it, you know, based on things that we hear about concussions and brain injuries, he's doing the right thing, and they're doing the, well, they're doing the right thing at first by not letting him be involved, and, and obviously, he's bought into that, and that is the right thing for his health, and his future, and his family's future uh, moving forward, so uh, you had that last night, I watched it, and tonight, I will be watching some NBA, because the Boston Celtics, Two games before the All-Star break this weekend. The Celtics tonight are in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. What else we got tonight? We got the Spurs in Miami to take on the Heat. We got the Wizards in New York to take on the Knicks with the Knicks having a new coach or at least an interim coach in Kurt Rambis. As I mentioned, Celtics in Milwaukee against the Bucks. The Jazz in Dallas against the Mavericks. And the Rockets in Golden State to take on the Warriors. The Warriors undefeated at home, 23 and all. This will not be the game tonight that they lose. But I do think that James Harden on any given night could make it interesting. Could. But at the end of the day, Warriors will probably be 24-0, most likely, when this one is said and done. I will react to all of this and more tomorrow. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, also on Stitcher, on TuneIn. Anywhere podcasts are available, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.